Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Lord, we thank you for this baptism service. We thank you for Epiphany, that you revealed your son to us. Would you reveal your son to us today in the preaching of your word and in the holy table? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So how many of you did not know what Epiphany was till you came to Redeemer? How many of you still don't really know what Epiphany is? Okay, good. Thank you for being honest. Um, if you're anything like me, you did not grow up in a church setting where, uh, where Epiphany was something we talked about. I personally did not grow up going to church, and I had some encounters with church as a kid, but came to faith through young life and high school, and when I started going to church, we did not talk about Epiphany in that setting. We uh, Christmas Eve was the only Christmas service we had. We didn't celebrate Advent. We didn't celebrate Christmas uh, season. We just had Christmas Eve, and that was it, and then it was over. And so uh, it actually wasn't until I moved to Germany, and uh, in Germany, a uh, country very much influenced by Catholicism and Lutheranism, uh, I had people who don't even go to church tell me about Three Kings Day. They were like, Three Kings Day is coming up. How exciting. It's like, what are you talking about? Uh, we had this really beautiful church in downtown Frankfurt called Three Kings uh, Church. And uh, I used to walk past and think, who are the kings that, these, that they're talking about? And so uh, depending on what church background you're from, you know, different churches uh, refer to these, uh, you know, some talk about the wise men, some talk about the magi, some talk about the three kings. Uh, but in, the fact is that in, on Epiphany, it is a holiday that kind of closes out the Christmas season, where in the Western church, historically, we've talked about the wise men, the three kings, and their experience and how Jesus Christ was revealed to them. In the Eastern church, uh, we talk about the baptism of our Lord and how he was revealed as the Son of God in whom God is well pleased uh, at his baptism. And so that revelation of Jesus is the centerpiece of the Epiphany holiday. And so uh, like uh, we Anglicans, like uh, we typically tend to do, try and bring both worlds together. And so uh, in our calendar, it's actually supposed to be that you celebrate the, uh, the wise men on Epiphany, which is January 6th, which could be any day of the week. And then we celebrate the baptism of our Lord on the first, uh, on the Epiphany Sunday following that holiday. And so uh, one of the problems, of course, is that we don't really get a chance to celebrate that Epiphany holiday during the week that often. We're coming out of the Christmas season. There's a lot going on. And so we typically don't get to talk about the wise men very much. And so this year, I thought it would be nice for us to talk about both of these stories, the, 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 the wise men, three kings, whatever you want to call them, and the, uh, and the, baptism of our Lord Jesus. So let's take a look here at the story of the wise men. We heard the reading about the baptism of Jesus, and so I, uh, I'll just read for us the story of the wise men found in Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles uh, with you, feel free to open up to that, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Fast forwarding to verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. So the part of this story that stood out to me the last couple of weeks, uh, I was sometime during the break after Christmas, my wife and I, uh, my mother-in-law was in town, which is always a great gift because we can give her the baby and hop out for a little bit. And so we uh, went on a date and we stopped in Green Joe's Coffee Shop on Battleground. And they had uh, this wonderful seating area with some couches and a map of the world on the wall. And so I was sitting there as we were talking, drinking coffee. I was looking at the map of the world and meditating on this story. And one of the things that stood out to me was just how small Israel is on that map, how insignificant it seems to be. Um, And just thinking about the mystery, we don't know where these wise men came from. Uh, We don't, there's so much mystery in this text about how in the world did a star lead them to the king of the Jews. There's, uh, there's so much fascinating about it, but what just became apparent to me was how God worked through this insignificant place to change the world. And so when these three men from the east uh, come and see Jesus, they are, they are a sign of something new that's happening in the people of God. You see, Abraham had, was promised that his son would be a blessing for the whole world. And so when these three non-Jewish people show up to worship the God of Israel, this is a sign that this gospel is going to change the whole world. And I think that's really encouraging for us because at the end of the day, if we were to sit down and put Redeemer on a map, we were to sit at Green Joe's and put Redeemer on a map, even in Greensboro, if we were to put Redeemer on the map of the amount of churches that we have around here, it seems insignificant in many ways. The world is a big place. And for those of you who are in my generation, you have this desire, us millennials, we just want to change the world. We just want to make an impact. If we work, if we go to work and we feel like we're not changing the world, then we start to get really depressed and down. And the reality is that this story is good news because Jesus Christ was revealed to the world starting in this insignificant place, starting with this mysterious encounter of these wise men with the God of the universe being born into a place in Bethlehem. And so I think that that's an encouraging story for us today as we think about, uh, there's a great tradition uh, on Epiphany that we celebrate here at Redeemer. If you look over here and notice above the door, we have this uh, interesting blessing written on our doorframe. And I actually have out in the narthex, I have chalk that has been blessed and prayed over for you that you can take home with you. And if you'd like to, uh, to mark your door frames, or uh, we also are offering house blessings where some priests will come and bless your house. So if you're interested in that, we'll talk about that in the announcements as well. We would love to, uh, to bless your house. But this chalk, uh, this blessing of your door frame is, I think, a really great thing that, uh, that shares with us this exact mystery that I'm talking about. Because guess what? Our lives, our everyday lives, our jobs, our families, our friends, uh, the life that we get live when we get up early in the morning and start drinking our coffee. And uh, we, you know, sometimes we feel like we're doing a good job and other times we feel like we're pretty insignificant. But that is precisely the heart of the gospel is that we have come 
just like the wise men, to know Jesus Christ. We've come to know the newborn king. And so we, as we walk out every day to go out and do the work that God has called us to do, as we leave here on Sunday to go out and do the work that God has called us to do, it's a reminder that we have encountered the newborn king and that we can share him with the world around us. So if you would like to do that, I would just invite you to take that chalk home with you. We have descriptions, too, of how that works. So after this baptism, uh, or sorry, after this encounter with the wise men, we don't really know that much. There's a few quick, you know, viewpoints into Jesus's childhood and ministry, but until he is about 30 years old, which the other day for New Year's Eve, I had this interesting revelation that this is my last year in my 20s. And so that was kind of a shocking moment for me. I, my wife could tell you, I, much like the millennial I am, was sitting there like, I've not done enough with my life. I've not done enough with my 20s. What am I going to do? So, uh, so uh, all that to say, and then my sister-in-law kindly pointed out, oh, well, this is the year that Jesus, you know, 30s when Jesus began his ministry. And that was encouraging to me. Um, so all that to say, um, until the baptism of Jesus, we really don't have a lot of viewpoints into the life of Christ. And so then uh, the wise men had encountered the newborn king, but for many, that encounter had not yet happened. And so it wasn't until his baptism where the, the father comes out and proclaims his blessing over his son, where the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, that Jesus started his public ministry in a really profound way. And after that, it really started to get moving and has continued moving to this day. And so for those of us today who are getting baptized, for those of you who've already been baptized Jesus, the baptism was the start of his ministry. But in reality, baptism is also the start of our ministry. Each and every one of us in this room is a minister of the gospel. So when we are baptized and we join God's body, and we, we, it's not the climax of our spiritual life. There's going to be many more years ahead for all of you who are getting baptized today where you will live out faithfulness of sharing Christ with the world around you and sometimes you'll feel great about it, and other times you won't. But that is the call that you're starting today. So this, this moment is a just like with Jesus, we are all called to become a minister in our baptism. I had never really thought about this until a couple of years ago. I um, was in, so I lived in downtown Frankfurt in Germany. And every year they had this interesting service where they would celebrate. It was the death anniversary of Charlemagne, who was a really big figure in Europe. And uh, he happened to work a, no, a lot in the Frankfurt area. And so the cathedral in Frankfurt, where they used to crown the Holy Roman Emperor for many years, every year has this special service with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They do a really big choir. They have, they have knights that process in. They have lots of incense. It's a really special occasion. But they invite ministers from all over Europe to come together for the service because Charlemagne in many ways was uh, kind of the first figure that united Western Europe together. And so um, that's really not the point of my sermon today, but the point that stood out to me about the service was that that one year they invited a bishop from France who somehow in very uh, rough German managed to preach an amazing sermon to us, which was uh, that each and every one of us in our baptism are called into ministry, right? The priesthood of all believers, each and every one of us, uh, is a priest in God's family. Now, some of us are priests in a different way, and, uh, but what I found fascinating as he was talking about that was that I had never really thought of baptism that way. I had never really made that connection to Jesus's baptism. Uh, and so that was an eye-opener 
for me, but he pointed out to this crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people in a place where most people have forgotten that the gospel of Jesus is a real thing, right? So many people were there who were celebrating the cultural tradition of Christianity, celebrating the impact. They were even excited to be part of the service, but they did not really know the gospel or uh, talk about it that much other than as a, like I said, a thing of the past. He called upon everyone in that room to say, it is time as we look across the West where people are losing faith in Jesus Christ to remember our baptisms, to remember that we are ministers of the gospel. And that sermon just really was, I think, an eye-opener for me. So today, for those of you who are getting baptized today, whether you're young and small or you are older, uh, this is the beginning of a long journey for you, and we're excited to be a part of that journey. And so the last thing I just want to point out is that there's a really exciting aspect, I think, of what happens at baptism. You see, to be a minister of God's gospel is is not based on our qualifications. So whether you're young and you can barely speak or whether you are older, we don't do any kind of tests when you come up, like, you know, can you share the gospel properly? Can you read your Bible properly? We don't, we don't prove, like, is this person really going to be a great minister of the gospel? It's all about faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes us gospel ministers. And I think that's just an encouraging truth for each and every one of us. God is working here at Church of the Redeemer to share the gospel with people in our community. And so regardless of how, what our place is on the grand map and the grand narrative of what God is doing, we see he is working in our midst. So I'm excited. I just want to share one more story with you as we close the sermon and get to the baptisms. And that is a couple of months ago, we, you know, we at one of the things we love is Camp Booyah. And so we have a number of uh, yeah, number, a lot of our efforts throughout the year are focused on uh, working with our youth to get them to camp. And so one of the things we found is that some kids were struggling to pay the, the dues to get there. And so we kind of came up with an idea. We had already had some youth serving on the farm for a while uh, who would ask to come out and, you know, get paid for their work. But we actually decided to kind of formalize this. And so Deacon Melissa and Deacon Stephen and I, we talked about how to how to kind of take this thing to the next level. And uh, we started this new program called Farm to Flourish. So it really is a test program. We, we were just seeing, will this work if we tweak a few things? Uh, the stuff that we were doing before wasn't really working the way we wanted to. And so we started this Farm to Flourish program and it's just Saturday mornings. We have youth come out and uh, serve on the farm. They get paid for their time, but it's also a discipleship program where we share Jesus with them and talk about how to mature in Christ. And so uh, Deacon Stephen is a major part of that. Also, uh, Innocent, who has worked on our farm for many years, is a big part of that program. And so uh, we just thought we'll start with three or four youth and see how it goes. And so within a couple weeks, I don't think any of us really thought we were going to do anything that special. We just wanted to kind of do what we had been doing better. And within a couple of weeks, Pastor Jonathan calls me on the phone and says, yeah, uh, uh, at least one of the boys from that program would like to be baptized. And I was... <laughs> Yeah, I was shocked. Um, was just amazed to see how God's working. And that's what he's doing here in our community.